It's Tuesday, July 19th, and this is Talk Commerce. If you can do one thing to speed up the growth of your email list, learn to love the pop-up. Kyle Stout answers some of the most crucial questions regarding your email marketing strategy, such as how to know if you're sending to too many or not enough emails, and what to do if you're still sending every email to the entire list. He also helps us understand some of the common pitfalls merchants fall into with email marketing and how to avoid them altogether. This is an eye-opening episode. Learn to love the pop-up with Kyle Stout. And now, your free joke. My biggest talent is always being able to tell what's in a wrapped present. It's a gift. (laughs) And now, your bonus joke. My balloon elephant wouldn't fit on the back seat of the car, so I had to pop the trunk. (laughs) This episode of Talk Commerce is brought to you by Commerce Hero. Commerce Hero is a marketplace for Magento developers. Finding a good Magento developer just got a whole lot easier. Whether you're an agency looking for a developer, a merchant trying to find talent to fill that gap, or you're a developer looking for a job, Go to CommerceHero.io to find your next great Magento opportunity. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Kyle Stout. Kyle is the founder of Elevate and Scale, an email marketing agency, Kyle, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what you do day-to-day and maybe one of your passions in life. Thanks for having me. Day-to-day is pretty much working with e-commerce businesses with their email marketing, helping them increase sales in their sales process, drive up customer lifetime value, and also just long-term keeping a healthy email list so people stick around and want to buy. And then, yeah, outside of work, I'm really big into fitness. I love to get active and hang out with family and friends and get outside. So let's just dive right into email marketing. Is email marketing still relevant today? Yeah. So it's funny because you always hear every few years or so the email marketing is dead thing comes about, but I feel like it's only marketers that say that as a joke and it never really is something that's ever something that actual users or business owners are saying. But email marketing, to me, why it's always been relevant is because it's a platform where you have direct access to your customers and you own that platform. And over time, as we've seen attention shift from different social media platforms and things go from maybe where we were a lot heavier in blogging in the past, and then it shifted to social media, email marketing was there, was tried and true all along. And right now, especially with paid media costs all over the place and a lot of uncertainty in the market. I really think that over the next year or two, you're going to see people revisiting their email marketing strategy because a lot of businesses have, I don't want to say totally neglected it, but maybe just didn't realize that they weren't doing as much with it as they could. 
And do you think that email is what we've discussed that it's still important, but so from a strategy standpoint, how much of that should be put back onto email and how much should be put onto social and then other channels that are out there? Really, I think ideally you have both. I think of it as email marketing serves as a great function to help you get a better ROI from your top of funnel marketing. So you still want to have your social media and doing anything you can to bring in new leads, bring in new customers and email marketing because there's two ways you can look at it. Part of it is just having some automated systems in place to maybe to help optimize your sales process. So help you get more revenue from the traffic that you're already getting to your site. But then once you've got this growing email list, you've got this database of people that you can nurture and continue to get repeat sales over time. I really look at it as partially something to help you get a better ROI from your top of, mar top of funnel marketing today, but also just helps you get better lifetime customer value in the long term. Do you think one of the big mistakes that merchants often make is marketing the same email to every single client on their Definitely. It's one of the biggest mistakes I see is that, and again, a lot of times people just don't know any better. Like they're just going off of that worked in the past and it just wasn't email marketing and all marketing just wasn't quite as nuanced in the past, especially digital marketing. But yeah, you really want to personalize the content. So you want to be segmenting your list and sending different messages to different people that's most likely to resonate with them. From a personalization standpoint, is there any particular strategy that you talk to clients about? And I just, I'll frame that in, in the sense of at some point it gets a little creepy when it's too personal. Is there a balance between the two? So yeah, there's a lot of new technology where they're trying to totally personalize the email and talk to you, Brent, specifically about things that I can imagine where it's going to get really creepy, like what you're saying. But really what I'm talking about more is at a higher level, just being able to segment people on your list. And there's different ways that you can segment. So you can segment people on different profiles based on if they're a lead that's never purchased before. And then you have customers who have purchased one time, and then you maybe have repeat customers, and then maybe you have VIP customers. And those are different groups that you could segment and then send a different type of message because the VIP customer, you're gonna to talk to them very differently. You don't really need to educate them on your product anymore. They're like the close friend. They're in on the joke. They're in on all the inside jokes. They know what's going on. And you're also going to want to show them more love for being a VIP. Whereas a lead, they might be almost a stranger and they might need to be reminded of some of the value propositions and the brand story and all that other stuff that they're just not maybe aware of yet. And then there are other ways you can segment. So you can segment based another really great way to segment would be, especially for e-commerce businesses would be based on engagement. So breaking down groups of people, you can have, you can create segments, for example, like a 30 day engaged group, meaning that everyone in that group have engaged with your emails or your website, however you decide to define it in the last 30 days. And you can expand that out to 60 days, 90 days, and so on. And every business will be a little different, but after you send emails to these different groups, you'll get a high level overview of not only how engaged they are, but how they respond to different offers. And you'll find that the people who are most engaged, they want to get more emails from you. So you can actually email them more often, or you can send them more diverse content. Whereas the people who are less engaged, it might not be that they don't like your brand or don't like your products. It could just be that 
they only want to know whenever there's a really big sale going on or a new product coming out or something like that. So you might email them less frequently. Maybe walk us through how they test that engagement. Do you look at open rates, click-through rates, things like that for the engagement? And then if they seem like they're engaged, I know it still goes back to a tipping point where, hey, you send them something every day, pretty soon they're going to unsubscribe. And I know there's a magic amount of time for every engaged customer as opposed to somebody that's just wanting to learn. Yeah, so the way I do it is you have your key metrics you want to track. So open rate, click rate, conversion rates. And you can first, let's just say, for example, send an email out to a 30-day engaged group. Actually, one way, if you just wanted to test this, if you just wanted to say over the next week, do a quick test and get a baseline for all of this, you could send that one email out to your 30-day engaged group. Look at the metrics, and there's a baseline for you. And then send the same email out to the 60-day engaged group and exclude the 30-day engaged folks because you don't want that to throw off the data. And look at the metrics there. And then you want to have a certain threshold, like you said, of where you don't want to go below that. The thing about open rates is they are a little inflated right now because of iOS, but Traditionally, it's all the rule of thumb has always been you don't want to go below 20%. If you send out to that 60-day or 90-day engaged group and you see the open rate fall below 20%, then you know, okay, that's the threshold. I need to pull back and focus more on these groups up to that point and then maybe only include those people in the big, like the Black Friday type of promotion. And But so open rate's one thing, but you really also want to look at click rate. And this is going to vary a lot from brand to brand. There's industry benchmarks, but honestly, it's all over the place. So you really want to look at just historical data for your company and compare that. Sending that first test to the 30-day engage group, and you might find that even the click rate's not where you want it to be with that group, but that's a better determinant of engagement right now than open rates because a lot of times open rates are higher. They're showing as falsely higher than they really are. And clicks are also, not only is it easier to get someone to open, it's harder to get people to click, and we're not getting those false readings on the clicks right now like we are with opens. So I would I would pay a little bit more attention to that as you're doing that whole test. When you include engagement, do you include social media, just website visits? If you're tracking holistically across and you know that this user's they looked at Instagram, they've visited your website, but they haven't opened an email, all that goes into the, in the factor of some kind of engagement? Yes, you can go, you can get into social media and all that. In general, I stick with email and website engagement. So looking at if they've either gone to the website or you can even create these different segments that are targeting product interest. So whenever someone visits a product page in the last time frame or they've added it to cart in that time frame, then they are in the engaged group whether it's based on pure engagement across the board or interest in that particular product. You mentioned iOS a few times, and there's the post iOS 14 that is blocking a lot of, of information that we can see through some platforms. Is it, has it changed the landscape on how you measure engagement? It really is one of those things that's been blown out of proportion. We were all like bracing ourselves for it and, and preparing by looking at our engagement groups. And when I say that, the segments that we create in someone's email account and then doing some reporting on, okay, it's going live now and what's going to happen. But honestly, the way it's played out is it's inflated the open rates. And so we just don't really pat ourselves on the back as much as we used to about open rates. And that's 
that's been the biggest change. I have not seen a significant change in it impacting these engagement groups to where, or these engagement segments, I should say, to where we're getting this negative feedback, like people shouldn't have been included in there or the conversions and actual purchases don't seem to line up anymore with the clicks and everything else with the email. It's really just an inflation of open rates has been the main thing. Yeah, maybe explain to our listeners why open rates would go up. Because it's showing that the iOS devices that receive the emails, it's showing them as having opened the email regardless of whether or not they didn't. So this is going to be this is going to come down to your list and lists that have way more iOS users on their list. They're going to have more skewed data. And if you want to get Let's just say you feel, man, this is really clouding my data and I don't like this. I just want more clarity. What you can do is similar to what I was mentioning earlier, where maybe you run a test where you create some different segments. You can create segments to exclude iOS devices and then send an email out to, you can go pretty wide or whatever you would normally do, but take out those iOS people and then see what the numbers are and compare it. Yeah. And it sounds like the amount of segments isn't like too many segments isn't necessarily bad until you get to a segment of one user. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, so that's really the thing. The bigger your list is, the more room you have to do to create more segments, which gives you more room to send more emails without everyone getting every email. And that gives you the potential to scale up the revenue you get from your email marketing. But like you said, if you try to take it too far too early, you've got groups of 5, 10, 20 people it's probably not worth all the effort. As a new business, you mentioned earlier growing your list. A lot mm -hmm. of people look at buying a list from somebody, and I think that's not the way to do it, and probably illegal in a lot of countries. But And if you send them email, I should say. What are your recommendations around growing that list and making sure that it continues to grow and doesn't decrease? Okay, yeah. So <clears throat> regarding buying lists, and I've never personally done it. I've never seen it work. I've known many business owners who have shared that they've done that, or and I've seen the analytics and I can tell you, I've never seen it be a really worthwhile endeavor. And especially if you consider all the risk of the damage it could do to your domain and all of that potential legal risks, <clears throat> I wouldn't even mess with it. So it's going to come down to the type of business. So for e-commerce businesses, oftentimes you're not going to do the typical lead magnet a type of approach like a service business would, but you definitely can. So the first thing is you want to look at your website and you need to have some sort of offer to get people in. So I know a lot of business owners hate pop-ups. They just personally hate them. They hate going to a website and seeing a pop-up the first thing they land on a site. And honestly, I used to hate pop-ups too, but knowing what that pop-up can do for your business, you will learn to love them. You can create pop-ups in a way that aren't so intrusive. You don't have to have the one that pops up as soon as they hit the page. You also don't have to have it take up the entire page and you can make it very easy for people to leave to exit out of that pop-up. So in general, I would recommend at least having an exit intent pop on your website that fires when people are leaving and give them some sort of offer to get into your email list. For e-commerce, it's typical, but the thing is it works, is usually you will see a small discount, a coupon code that they have to sign up for a 10 to 15% discount. The bigger the discount, the more opt-ins you're gonna get, 
but ultimately it doesn't necessarily mean those would be the best customers long-term. So I don't think it's necessarily the best idea to go really aggressive and go 20, 30, 40%. 10, 15% works. It could also just be free content. It could be a free guide or it could be a free trial. So there's different ways you can do it. It doesn't always have to be a discount. It could be a value add where they get something extra for free with their purchase. And that's going to have high purchase intent because someone who's signing up for that is already thinking, well, I'm planning on making a purchase. So I want that. I want that free bonus. So you definitely got to have something on your website itself. Then when it comes to getting people to your site to sign up, that's where it varies. From what I've seen in the last six months of what's working with paid media. So a lot of times I'll be working with a brand and I'm working side by side with whoever's running their paid media. And there's always this temptation to have the whole ad campaign be based around signing up for something free on the list. And I can say that the majority of the time, those freebie seekers, they don't purchase and they don't stick around and they really drive down the engagement of your list. I've found what's better is to go after customers and send them to your site and have your site optimized to where they're going to see these signups. So see those pop-ups or whatever you have in place and get actual interested customers to sign up for the offer thing. You don't want to have your first impression going out to cold traffic or going out to strangers be some freebie thing. You really want them to be interested in the actual products or services that you sell. And when they get to your site, they just find out that, oh, it's like a surprise. They happen to get this extra thing that incentivizes them to sign up. So I'm going to highlight two things. So learn to love pop-ups. I like that one. But the freebie seekers, I think, is something I've heard over and over again where people think that getting your list bigger is going to be better no matter how you get that name. And I suppose it doesn't hurt to have that user, but having that pop-up or giving them some value is probably more, well, is more important than just the free thing they're going to get. So just talking about mistakes, and I can think of one mistake that's very annoying that I dislike is when you're signed into a site and you get that exit intent pop-up, or you bought something from them, clearly you're their customer. Worst case is you've signed in and you get a pop-up to sign up for their email. Super annoying. But even if they know your cookie, and theoretically cookies are, are still around, we should block that pop-up if you know that person, especially if they're on the list. Yeah, and that's a really easy fix. In your software, we like to use Klaviyo most of the time with e-commerce businesses specifically. It's just a box you check whenever you're building out your form. There is an option to exclude current or existing Klaviyo contacts. So anyone who's already signed up, they won't see this. And it's actually an opportunity to present them with something new. So maybe it doesn't have to be a pop-up now for an existing contact, but maybe offer something up to get their birthday so you can surprise them on their birthday later or just get more information about them to enrich that customer experience. So there are times when you would want to target the people that are already signed up specifically, but you want to do it in a way that adds some value to them. You're no longer just trying to get their contact info anymore. So in general, I like to just leave them alone for the most part. <laughs> so maybe you could go over a few more mistakes that companies typically make for email. So first one, the biggest one is what you were saying earlier, people just emailing the entire list and instead of trying to segment and somewhat personalize the content towards people. Another thing is email frequency. And this goes both ways because a lot of times you'll have smaller businesses emailing too frequently. 
because everyone wants to grow. So they want to grow faster. Email is a great channel for driving revenue. And they just get a little, I think, in my opinion, they get a little too excited too quickly because they get a taste of the email of what it's like to send an email. And all of a sudden you see a bunch of users on your analytics dashboard on your site. And then the sales come in and you burn out your list way too quickly by doing that. You haven't even let this list grow and mature and let these people stick around with you for a while. Then on the other hand, you'll have big businesses that have a huge list and let's just say they're only getting five, 10% of their total revenue from email marketing. Well, a, a good gauge of if your email marketing is doing a good job, at least when it comes to the situations where people can click the email and buy the product, they don't have to hop on a sales call or any of that would be if you're generating 30% of your revenue from email marketing, you're doing a good job with your email marketing. And if you're below that, then there's probably either some room for improvement with what you're doing, or there's also potential that maybe you're just not emailing enough depending on the situation. So yeah, it, that the frequency thing goes both ways. And then another big mistake, this, these are like the greatest hits right here, would be only emailing your list when you have a sale or a promotion. And again, it goes back to sometimes people just get, they see what that does, they see that spike in revenue, and they don't like to send an email out that doesn't get a massive spike in revenue. And I definitely encourage you for the major holidays, yeah, if you wanna run a promo every major holiday, go for it. If you get into a sticky situation and you need a quick infusion of cash, okay, this is a, a channel you have available to do that. And if you've been taking care of your list, then it's okay to do that whenever you need to. But but really you want to be showing up, you wanna have different reasons to show up and educate people, inspire people, entertain them, give them other content. And the big thing is try to get them to buy without having to discount. Give them reasons to be excited about your product, to care about what your product does, the problems that it solves for them without having to give them a discount just solely because it's a good offer. Yeah, I remember interviewing the founder of Gives. They're a gifting service. And instead of giving them a discount, they would give something to somebody based on a purchase. And they always equated discounts with, with the decreasing revenue. And if you do too much of it, obviously you get people dropping off. Is there a point in which you send too many emails and that becomes counterproductive? That's typically what I have seen over the long term. And it's deceptive because at first you can get away with it for a while because a lot of times, let's just say, just say you've been running your business for several years, things are going well. Maybe you switch to a different team or person who's managing the email marketing and they want to drive up those sales numbers because it makes them look good. And maybe they honestly just have pure intentions and they think it's what's best for your business for whatever reason. And the people on your list aren't used to getting these deals all the time. So they might actually take advantage of two to three back-to-back -back sales. They might just reach into their wallet several times in a row. And then you would think as the business owner, oh man, every time we do a sale, they keep buying. They must love it. But it never lasts. It really never lasts. And then by the time people notice the decline, because every email you send out, you're going to get some unsubscribes. If you have a big list, there's always going to be there's a million reasons why someone would unsubscribe. It's just a normal part of email marketing. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or they hate you, but that you keep emailing more and more and you keep doing these big promotions more and more, you're going to get more of that. And eventually if you're not paying attention, you're losing more people than are coming in. So that's one problem. 
But then the people who are sticking around, now they've gotten trained to where I, they're only going to buy when you offer a discount. So now the random impulse purchases, those go away. And now they know, they always know there's another sale right around the corner. So why would they? In fact, I've found myself as a customer doing that with companies where I genuinely do like their products, but I always get this. It seems like every time I would make a purchase, they would have a sale a few days after, which I, I swear it was almost like, I always wondered if it was planned or something and I would have this regret. I'm like, oh, if I waited three days, I could have saved a lot of money. And it got to where I'm like, I only buy whenever they have a sale now because they have them frequently enough. So why not? Yeah, I can remember buying a pair of Cole Hans and having that exact same experience where they're constantly bombarding you with emails. And then suddenly you buy something and then you get another email that's 5% bigger discount or something. It was, anyways, I did unsubscribe from Cole Hans eventually because it was so annoying when I got that. And I guess that just illustrates the point that there is never, nobody has it down. And Cole Hahn is a pretty big company. And you'd think maybe it was just my own experience, but big companies make these mistakes and they're still making these mistakes. So it's always good to be looking at all those numbers. What are some of the key metrics that, that a marketer should look at to ensure that they're not making some of those mistakes? Is there leading indicators that say, oh, I've sent five emails this week. Maybe that's too many. Yeah, so there are, and actually I want to say something really quickly about what you just shared, because this is a really common misconception, I think, is that when people look at these big brands, you assume that it's this big, successful brand. I know they're spending a ton of money on their marketing. I know they can hire the best consultants. They can get the best information. They've So they must know what they're doing. And in a lot, I see them just making terrible mistakes all the time. My theory is that it's because when they get to a certain level where they can bring in so many people, they can just, they just have the money to buy so much traffic, buy, acquire so many new people onto their list that they can burn through it. They can afford to burn through a lot of people. I don't know what's going on with the overall picture with their marketing, but I would definitely say if you, if your gut is telling you, I don't know, but this big brand is doing it, definitely question it because what works for them will not usually work for most small businesses. But so looking at your metrics, of course, you want to month to month, you should be looking at your averages, open rates, click rates, conversion rates. And also there's also certain things. So for example, with an e-commerce business, you can have what's called a welcome series or a welcome series for non-buyers, which is the typical automated email sequence that someone will go into when they first opt in through that pop-up. That one is very sensitive to the traffic that's hitting your website. So that's one way to look at, I know whenever we see the sales and just actually overall engagement, not just sales, deviate from the norm pretty aggressively, either negative or positive, that company has made some changes with their paid media. And sure enough, I'll have a, because we'll have a call and be like, okay, we're seeing some decreases. What's going on? I want to get more context to make sure it's not just what's happening with the emails. And that happens more often than not. It's that entry level series is a good way to gauge the quality of traffic that's coming in. So that's one thing to look at. Um, but you can also run engagement reports on those different segments that I talked about. So having those key segments that you're going to be emailing most frequently in Klaviyo and in the other tools, you can run an engagement report where you can see the open rates, click rates, and average order value of that particular segment. 
and you can see if people are starting to disengage more. And if you're looking at a highly engaged group, like a 30 day engaged segment, and you start to see people disengaging in that one, that's a really bad sign. Okay. Something is definitely wrong. We're hammering this list or this particular segment way too hard because just by its very nature of how that segment is created, everyone in there should be engaged. And then another thing to look at something that people might have to Google is you can look at the unique reach. So the unique opens the unique clicks on your email list. So that would be the total unique people. Cause it's one thing to, a lot of times you'll have the same people who continue to open and click all your emails. You just have a lot of people who are engaged, but you're not seeing the big picture of everyone on your list. So when you look at the uniques, whenever you measure that, so that's just a key word there. Whenever you're, if you're Googling this or you're talking with your email service provider, then you can see how many unique people you're reaching on your list. Cause ideally you want to be reaching more people month to month. So if your list is growing or even if it's staying the same, you want to be engaging more total people, total unique people. So I like to measure unique opens and unique clicks as a way to know, okay, you know what, even if sales were a little down this month, we're getting more engagement from more people. And that's usually a sign of better long-term success. Whenever you see those uniques going down, that's something where, okay, if we're reaching fewer unique people, then the odds are that the sales will come down. Let's just say sales are steady. Those sales will come down because we're just reaching fewer people and we can't always rely on the same people to keep buying and buying because depending on the products you're selling, you run out of stuff where they've just bought it all. They've bought all that they want or need. So you really want to be looking at making sure you're actually reaching more people within the list that you have and also trying to retain more of them. And I would imagine that these numbers all flip-flop when you're talking B2B to B2C. Like, it's a completely different arena when you're talking how you engage with the B2B customer compared to how you engage with the B2C customer. Yeah, B2B is very different where, see, B2C is, I guess what I'm talking about, when I say B2C, in a situation where it's not going to be like a, a really expensive product where someone has to hop on a sales call or anything like that. It's something where they can click the email and buy right there. So you get really objective data. With B2B, that's a little trickier because you have more things involved in closing that sale. So a lot of times you're using email marketing to get people into a sales call. And then from there, it could be that you follow up with email after that and then you get the purchase. So that's one way to measure it, but you can't neglect what happened during the human to human interaction of the sales call. So you have to be tracking that. So a lot of times you can't get clean metrics where a lot of times people aren't just going to click a link in an email and pay the invoice like that. It's going to be a manual process where a salesperson emails them an invoice and then you get that and you get the payment that way. So from there, it's really more about mapping out the whole sales process step-by-step. Step. So looking at each stage of your sales process, adding in automations when you can. So automated email or SMS or whatever you want to do in between each of those steps where you can in between the human interactions to try to move people along. And you can measure that. You can measure opens and clicks and how many people are moving through and how many people signed up for the sales call, but then how many people actually showed up. So you need to start tracking all of that stuff as well. So it's not quite as clean as it can be with B2C, but there's still a lot that you can measure and give you a pretty good idea of what's going on. 
I think the important part there is putting it into a place where you're tracking everything. So some kind of a CRM where you manually put notes in for that phone call, or even better, you call directly from the CRM. So that call gets recorded as a call with the client. And then that engagement would then just play into your engagement rate with the customer, no matter if it's in person or on the phone or through some kind of a service. Kyle, we have a couple of minutes left here. If you had some great bit of advice in 2022 to give somebody that wants to start email marketing, where would they start? You need to have an offer and you need to at least have someone on your list. You definitely need to have a way to get people on your list. But, the, but really the most important thing that it comes down to, and I think what's gotten forgotten is we look at all these systems and ways to optimize everything. And we need to get back to remembering that there's another human on the other side of this email and just thinking about, okay, what content are they really going to care about? Or when it comes to my product or my service, what really matters to them? What do they really care about? And crafting it around them and having your emails be more conversational. And it doesn't mean you can't be salesy or ask for the sale and all of that. It just means being more thoughtful to what's going to help them make a buying decision. One last question or advice that you could give a client then. Learn to love pop-ups, right? And let's just say you don't have HubSpot or Clevio or something like that, but you just want to get them into, let's say you're using MailChimp or whatever it is. I remember Hello Bars or whatever it was called before. Is there a free tool that you would recommend to get that pop-up going on your website that's fairly easy to install and get running on whatever website you're running, whatever platform you're on and you can install your pop-up and get it rolling. I think MailChimp has the pop-up capability, but most of them have that built in. And then there's a bunch of like fancier tools or if you want to get more advanced. Honestly, the free tool that's within your email service provider, most of the time is good enough. It's going to take you a very long way. You don't need to get any of the other fancy tools. A lot of times those things, you it's just you don't have enough traffic for the small amount of performance difference that you're going to get to even matter. It's just going to add an extra cost. And some of those things potentially even weigh down your site and slow it down. But if you're e-commerce, you can go with Klaviyo. You can start out with a free account and you can use their free, you can get a pop-up going. I believe MailChimp has a pop-up tool. I just haven't used MailChimp in so long, but pretty much all of them have a pop-up tool. It's already going to be included. So if you're, even if you're paying for the cheapest plan, you already have that. I just say, don't even overthink it right now. Get a good offer on that pop-up, get it live, and then focus on getting people to show up to your site so they can see it. All right, cool. Love your pop-up. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. Kyle, as we close out, I gave everybody a chance to do a shameless plug about anything you like to plug. What would you like to plug today? Okay, yeah. For anyone who's interested in elevating their email marketing, you can go to elevateandscale.com, and there is a link there to book a call which is not a traditional sales call, even though I know everyone says their call is not a sales call. You will get information prior to that call about our service and everything. But the point of that call is to give you clarity around how email marketing fits into the overall strategy for your business. So we'll actually break down your sales process on that call. If you have numbers that you can share, that would be awesome because that makes it even better. And we can identify where the most immediate opportunities are for you right now to get more revenue from your existing sales process. And then talk about a strategy for you to grow your business over the long term with email marketing. Perfect. And I'll put I'll put those links in, in the show notes for this. Kyle Stout, thank you so much. Thank you uh, for having me. A, 
It's been a great conversation. Yep. Great. Thank you. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been a pleasure to be your host today. Please sign up for our newsletter platforms at talk-commerce.com. Rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce wherever you download your podcasts. New shows out every week.